0: Welcome and happy Friday. It's May 27th, 2016. It is Memorial Day weekend, everybody. Happy Memorial Day. Hopefully you are listening to this out on a beach somewhere or on a boat or in your backyard with a barbecue flaring with friends, with drinks, with all kinds of good stuff. Welcome to summer. This is Travelog, the podcast of Condé Nast Traveler. My name is Brad Rickman, and I am here with Aaron Florio and Paul Brady, who are editors for Traveler. And our topic for the week is summer travel. So first weekend of summer, and this is what we're going to talk about. Um, It's our June and July issue is a summer travel issue. It's on newsstands now, so run out and pick up a copy of it. It has a a lovely cover that will inspire you to pack it up and get out on the road and go somewhere fun. And Aaron and Paul, summer travel is a perennial topic, right? We hit it every year. People do it every year. It's something everybody looks forward to, but it's also something that it's, it's easy to be repetitive, to be sort of cliched about. And so I'm wondering... As you guys were thinking about this, uh, the, the pieces of the puzzle that you've put together, the recommendations that you're giving to people, what are some things that made this year
1: different? Well, I think one thing that happens with summer travel, right, is that it sneaks up on you. So, you know. It's winter and then it's spring break and you're thinking, oh my God, is this is this cold weather ever gonna end? When is my summer vacation gonna be here? And the next thing you know, ah, it's here. And you've gotta plan a summer vacation at the last minute. And it's sort of terrifying. You know, what are we gonna do? Where are we gonna go? Oh my god, everything's sold out. Are we gonna take the car? Do we have to fly? Do we have to wait in these TSA lines? What are we going to do? And so I think when we approached our cover story, which is all about, you know, where to go this summer, what we wanted to answer for people is. You know, where can we actually go this summer and have a really incredible experience? So we approached it with this angle of what are the things that you want to do or the amazing sort of adventures that you want to have, whether with your partner or with your kids or by yourself? Where can you go in the world to have a really remarkable experience and vacation? And so that's, I think, our angle on this year.
0: It's an important distinction because, like, there are the planners out there you know, who are six months ahead of time and they've got everything lined up. I've never up. met them, though. <laughs> well, you made this for regular people. Like, the presumption is that, like most of us, you just haven't gotten your act together. Your, your shit is not tight. And so the summer arrives and you gotta, you got to figure it out. And that's the approach that you guys have taken here. So the assumption is everything in here is something you can still do.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, we were sort of cautious to make sure we included, you know, we wanted to hit all the different sort of entry points, you know, whether you're a traveler that's going somewhere for wine or for food. uh, If you want to head down to South America, if you want to go over to Europe and get great value with the euro and the dollar, you know, the comparison, we were just really, really careful to make sure we included things that would appeal to, you know, every type of traveler and is, yeah, something you could probably still go ahead and book if you are behind in planning your summer travels.
0: Talk about Europe for a little bit. Like what's going on this year? It's kind of amazing.
2: I mean, Europe is obviously always one of the most popular destinations for Americans to travel to. And, you know, this summer is one of the best times to go just because of what I just mentioned. You know, you're going to get such great value. Value on your hotels and your cruises and, and everything you want to do while you're in Europe just because of the value of the dollar at the moment. Uh, but we have a couple of things particularly that we've called out. Uh, one of them would be, and it's on my bucket list for sure, is Scotland. It's much easier to access it than in the past. You've got new flights launching this month from JFK going into Edinburgh. You've also got easier access into the Highlands, which for me is a personal favorite destination. Going from London on British Airways, so it's easier to access in the past. And you know, one thing that's really exciting about Scotland this year is they are opening the National Museum, which uh, well, they're actually expanding it. They're having ten new galleries with a big focus on fashion, and you know, that's taking some of the focus off the new Tate that's opening in London in June when that opens in July. So lots of reasons to get. And there where this is year. that? Where is the museum? In Edinburgh.
1: Ah, great. Okay, so Scotland. Where else in Europe? Well, Ireland is also going to be big this summer, I think, you know for the same reason. It's just a great value. Yes, the airfares to Europe in summer are always kind of high, but once you get there, you're basically getting 20% off what you would have paid in the past. And so uh, in Ireland, we're encouraging people to go on this huge road trip, and this sounds so cool to me. Aaron. you know it yeah. better than I do, the Wild Atlantic Way, this part of Ireland that sort of not a lot of Americans go to, but you have these amazing... Views of the Atlantic Ocean. Never heard of this. Yeah, what is the?
2: Yeah, so it's this fifteen hundred mile coastal highway on the Atlantic coast of Ireland, and it's basically if you want to really tap into that Ireland, where you're getting you know out of Dublin and out of the city centers and into those places where you're having those you know quintessential bread and breakfast experiences and the pubs and the villages, and not to mention the breathtaking scenery. This is where you want to be. So you can basically hop on at any of the access points and tour the west coast of Ireland. And you know, like Paul said, it's a little lesser known to Americans. Europeans have known about it. It opened about two years ago, and they've been rolling out various stretches of it ever since. So is like a
0: new road that's just been built?
2: It's, uh, it's kind of just a highway network that they've sort of sharpened the infrastructure. They've been working on it in Ireland for a long time. And part of the reason was to attract tourism, of course, and to make that part of Ireland, which is a little less accessible, more accessible. So take the focus off a lot of the east coast and bring bring people over to the west coast
0: how long should it take you to do the 1500 miles Whew. is that a week long oh trip? trip i would yeah. spend a week out there you I mean, know you but
1: could, it, it matters you know how many pubs are you going to stop exactly. at? On way, <laughs> yeah, right? how many, how many you places take do you want to stop i think it's i think it's more just one of those places that is just sort of an epic road trip that you're going to you know do a section of it at a time right and and if you have the days sure spend the time there but i think most people probably spend you know, four or five, I would guess, and, yeah. and tie it I with the Dublin stay.
2: And that's kind of the beauty of a road trip, right? Like, it's up to you how long you want to stay on it and how much you want to conquer. But also one thing that I will add, which I think is a really interesting point, when you go to this part of Ireland and also to Scotland in the summer, you can see the Northern Lights.
0: Can you really? Mm-hmm. That's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. How long do those last? When is your, what is your window? Uh,
2: they're seasonal. I, and I'm certainly not the expert on it. But I know in summer, I know especially in the highlands of Scotland, you can catch ex, you know, exceptional glimpses of the Northern Lights. I think August is supposed to be the best month. Where so, do I go
0: to time travel?
2: <laughs> I haven't figured that one out yet. <laughs> Didn't make the package this year.
0: Or to, or to meet you know attractive people uh, that, that
1: are from other centuries. <laughs> That's what I'm really I, like, I guess I understand well, this you know. is what you can do. It. You
2: have to read the summer package 2017 for enough.
1: <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll get our our best people on it right now. <laughs> I know there's one other place in Europe that was in the package which is the Spanish Pyrenees and sort of the Basque mm. country which you know, I think a lot of people know about Bilbao and the idea of going to sort of, you know, Pamplona and northern Spain. Uh, but we wanted to highlight it because this company um, called Bicycle Adventures has just started doing uh, bike tours there and you don't have to be a sort of you know professional biker to do these tours the beauty of them is you know you're riding 20 30 40 miles a day which you know maybe sounds like a lot but once you get riding it's actually pretty manageable as long as you're in you know reasonable sort of fitness level and of course i think any bike ride is easier when there's like great snacks at the end of it you know <laughs> like great you know seafood and and you know aged hams and beautiful wines and Not things to mention and so- the size. Not to mention the cider. And so, uh, again, it's like there's so much to do in Europe that, you know, I think we all love London and we all love Paris and we all love Rome. But, you know, there's so much other stuff to see and do in Europe that, you know, with it on sale, basically for Americans right now, it's really important to kind of open up your options a little bit and spend an extra day, do something a little bit outside of your comfort zone. And that's what we're really trying to encourage people to do with our story about all these great options there.
0: I love that one because, uh, you know, when you do go to Europe in the summer, whether you go to Italy or France or Spain, I've been to all three during that period of time, and there is a lot of biking going on. There's like biking fever. Mm -hmm. And this is a way for you to kind of participate in that. Like you see people because the Tour de France is happening, you see people even in small towns out in the countryside have got their biking gear on and they're out there and they're doing it. And, you know, it's something that does feel a little bit inaccessible. So this feels like a way of opening that door for the outsider.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think people always sort of remember the experiences that they have on vacations the most, you know, whether it was going scuba diving or going snorkeling or riding that bike or, you know, going for that hike, you don't have to do something crazy. It's not like you have to hike 50 miles in a day or something insane to to sort of be an adventure traveler. I think that just getting out on your feet or on a bike or on a stand-up paddleboard or whatever it is, you know, the act of doing something really connects you to a place and helps cement those memories in your mind. And I think it's something that travelers are looking for more and more. Speaking of Europe,
0: there are a couple of art uh, moments that are happening that are important. Like, right, yeah. There are a lot of people who travel for that kind of thing, and a lot of those things are location-specific, right? What were a couple of the things that you guys found in Europe and elsewhere?
2: Uh, well, on top of the National Museum opening up in Scotland, of course, the big news out of Italy is that Christo's having his big exhibition on Lake Isseo in the north of Italy. This
1: thing looks so cool Yeah, it looks me.
2: so cool.
0: Describe it. Describe it to me.
2: So what he's doing, from what I understand, and I am by no means an art expert, but he's basically making this interactive walkway across one of the northern Italian lakes using this thick-cut durable ribbon. He's transforming it into a pier, essentially, and you'll be able to sort of walk out across the lake on top of his installation and experience the lake in a different way.
0: Wow. That sounds fantastic. I remember his project in New York years mm-hmm. back and obviously he's done them all over the world. The gates. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the gates here in New York. What else for a culture traveler did you guys find?
2: Well, we did have, you know, one thing of note which is interesting for this summer is the Jamil Prize, which is the most important prize in Islamic art, is actually being moved for the first time out of London's Victoria and Albert Museum and into Istanbul at the Para Museum. And this is uh, particularly poignant this year because Zaha Hadid actually served as the honorary patron of that prize. And of course, this was the last selection made while while, while she was still in charge of it. So it's going to be interesting to see that move over to Istanbul.
0: This is a little, a little piece of her legacy yeah, uh, for sure. that you can actually experience. And so still in Europe, still keeping it in Europe, where else? Like in the Mediterranean, Greece, what's what's going on with Greece these days?
1: Yeah, I think we're always on a hunt uh, at at the uh, at the brand for sort of that next Greek island. Right. And and I think, you know, we're not alone, that that everybody who goes to Mm -hmm. Greece is always sort of looking longingly. Across the channel and thinking, isn't that next island better than the island I'm on? Which I don't know. It strikes me as a little sort of like excessive. You know, you're on an island filled with like great white yeah. wine and grilled <laughs> octopus and like beautiful vistas. Like what else? Yeah. It's pretty great where you are, but yeah. um, but you know we're sort of always on that hunt for the next thing. So Fulangandros is sort of on our radar right now because you know some of the islands have gotten very overcrowded and they sort of you know go to the sort of Ibiza level with know, the thumping music Mm, and the mega yachts. And this is one of those places that I think people are picturing when they're picturing that Greek isle uh, with the Taverna food. And then also it's just uh, gotten easier to get there with a high speed ferry. So a journey that used to take you 11 hours, which is, you know, in my mind, a ruined day of vacation, uh, (laughs) now only takes three hours. And so you're you're there in time for a meal, you know, and uh, a three hour ferry ride, I think is super manageable and beautiful. Mm -hmm. And 11 hour ferry ride is kind of like, Kill me now!
0: Oh yeah, that's that's <laughs> that's a radical yeah,
1: change. Yeah, that's
2: that's a yeah. Uh,
1: so I, you know, I, I assume that that means that this island will also be quote unquote ruined one of these days.
2: But <laughs> but there's a know. window and you can so get in. Go there now. now. Go right. there now. Get, get now there this is the time. summer, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, also speaking about islands, and and while we're on the topic of Europe, you know, one of a great passion point for a lot of travelers is wine, and uh, we decided, you know, we we love wine, we love the beach. Why not find those best sort of wine and beach destinations? And you. What know... What could be better? <laughs> what could be better? Seriously. That's all you really need. So we've actually, you know, sourced three. Sicily, the Canary Islands and the Greek islands again, which are having these sort of like under the radar wine moments where you can actually go and, and sample and taste these beautiful vintages that are coming out of the wineries that are developing there. And, you know, you can do that in the morning or in the afternoon and on the other side of the day, you can be lying on the beach. So it's sort of the perfect.
0: Yeah. I mean, th- this is interesting because obviously wine has been in Sicily forever and ever and ever, you know? Yeah. And I'm so, so say a little bit, maybe if you can, about what's changing, like sure. what's what's going on there?
2: Well, the region of Sicily that we've specifically targeted and, and I can speak firsthand, I always there very recently is Mount Etna, which is producing these mm. amazing natural wines. And, you know, in the past, Mount Etna, like much of Sicily, was not a commercial wine district. It, they had a lot of local production. But, you know, some sort of big name vintners from the continent sort of caught wind of the fact that, you know, they have this great unique mineral soil that was producing these different types of wines in these different varieties. So they started moving in. And, you know, I'm not going to say they've sort of spoilt it because they haven't at all i mean they're very respectful of the landscape and and of the the townships that are there but you're getting these boutique wineries opening up and they've actually introduced a wine trail around mount etna where you can go and you can sample a lot of the wines you can visit a lot of the vineyards Uh, and it's a really nice experience
0: that's great. And obviously the beaches are fantastic.
2: And the beaches are great. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sicily generally, I think it feels like. And, and it's interesting, too, because the, the Italian wine industry has changed so much in the last, you know, two decades. And it feels like it's been moving, you know, perhaps sort of south from the north as, sure. as sure. you know, not just. Not and you're wanting
2: these sort of big, big reds as opposed to the lighter reds of the north. And that's becoming trendier and you're getting them.
0: Yeah. South, yeah. Obviously the land itself is so, so rich for this, but mm-hmm. and there's such a tradition of it. But you see what you've seen throughout the country, I feel like, and I'm sure this is true in, in Spain as well, is is you get younger generations. You know, I've seen this in the north of Italy, I've seen this in the Lange, for example, right? Sure. Where you've got these producers that have been there forever and ever. And, you know, a son or a grandson of a sort of producer that's been there forever and ever, you know, goes Elsewhere to the United States, to California, to France, or somewhere, Mm -hmm. and sort of studies on modern technique brings that back. And so you get this amazing fusion of the old world Mm -hmm. and the new world that sort of brings the best of both. And I feel like that is kind of what's happening in Cisco. I think
2: you're absolutely right. In fact, one of the vintners that we mentioned Frank Nielsen, he when i met with him he spoke a lot about what he saw in australia for the new world wine production and how he was trying to implement some of those practices back in sicily so i think you're absolutely right
0: yeah it's great what about domestically for domestic travelers
2: <laughs> take it away <laughs> well we
1: had we had a ton you know aaa comes out with their sort of forecast for for domestic travel and i think it's worth mentioning that they you know they they're calling for 34 million people to take road trips over the Memorial Day weekend, which is you know the second most ever if I'm remembering correctly. Uh, so it's shaping up to be a really huge summer for road trips and sort and of gas local is going to get
0: like really low, right? Like, it, it is low. It is and it's going to
1: stay low, and uh, y- that's absolutely what they're attributing it to. Uh, that you know if gas is cheap, then why not just pack up the car and go, you know, and avoid sort of the hassles of air travel? Although, to be fair, air travel is also really, really affordable right now. So basically, you know, get out there and travel any way you can. But um, I think the way we approach domestic travel, um, you know, in this issue and, and this summer is sort of this idea that, You know, we talk about the people that get stuck in their routines and and wanting to go back to the same place over and over. And there are a few places around the country that sort of really do say, you know, summer in what's what's intrinsic to them and the sort of moments that they provide you. And so we you know, we call these the never get old instant summer vacation destinations. And they're sort of, you know, all over the country, whether it's Fort Bragg, California, uh, Mackinac, Michigan, Paso Robles. Or now, St- Fort Bragg, where is that in California? That's in Northern California and along the coast. And so it's a, it's a place with uh, you know, sort of moody fog and beautiful you know, hiking trails and redwoods and um, just a very relaxed vibe. And it really comes alive in summer when you can get out and you know, it's warm enough that you want to spend the whole day outside. And you just have that wonderful sort of California sunshine there. Uh, Another place is Camden, Maine, because, you know, everybody sort of loves the coast of Mm -hmm. of Maine in the summer, and, you know, it's one of those places that, again, is sort of quintessential Mm -hmm. in you're eating lobster rolls, and you're on a tall ship, and you're walking down these sort of (laughs) small streets, and it's just where you want to be in the summertime and,
0: you know, Camden is the postcard. Oh, it's literally like you you stand away from that and it's
1: just, that is the postcard town. I think like, you know, we were talking about how Europe is such a great deal right now. These are the kinds of places where it's like, don't ask how much the high season hotel rate is. Just go go. and enjoy yourself (laughs) because it's it's going to be exactly what you want. Right. St. Michaels, Maryland, is another one you know on on the Chesapeake Bay that I think you know, people in the sort of DC area know about. But it's another one of those sort of postcard towns with beautiful yachting and sort of like club cuisine. And is it just
0: crab season? Like, what's what's the is it? I'm not. I'm not enough of a seafarer It always crab bait. season in I
1: think it's always crab like it always season is. there. This is the kind of thing yeah. that you can get wrong on the podcast <laughs> yeah. and just get yeah. eviscerated yeah. by yeah. Facebook but comments. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, what the, I went there a few years ago during the, the height of summer, and it's just you know, it's sort of these like wooden boats with the American flag coming off the back, and gin mm-hmm. and tonics, and you know, seersucker blazers, and you know, were you classic, sailing? I was not sailing. Uh, but you are a sailor. I I, I, I have sail. <laughs> <laughs>
0: But this is one of the best places yeah, okay. on earth to sail, right? Like, I have sailed on the Chesapeake Bay. It's
1: magical. You can do a ton of boating, whether it's motorboating, sailboating, or just sitting, you know, at the yacht club, having <laughs> your cocktail, watching <laughs> the boats go by is also a lot With, of fun. Which is what let I'm me, very
2: good at doing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> let me assure you. So these are sort of just our, like, almost a permission slip, right? That, you know, you know, we're talking about all these sort of exotic destinations and mm-hmm. all these, like, adventures that you have to go on. But it's
2: okay, it, too, absolutely. to
1: just have an awesome You're summer vacation and summer yeah. weekend, especially, you know, when it's so cheap to drive there. They're yeah, classics absolutely. for a reason. Exactly. They're classics for a reason. And exactly.
0: all these places are beautiful, just mm-hmm. physically beautiful, absolutely. which is something
1: that is very easy to forget because you
0: take them for granted. right? Yeah, like,
1: absolutely. You know, we also highlighted uh, all of the sort of National Parks, right? I mean, this is National Parks season. It's the 100th anniversary of the National Parks, uh, and we highlighted a number of things out in the the Old West, um, you know, that are sort of again that ideal summer road trip, summer vacation, windows down in the in the car kind of thing. Uh, Whether it's you know, done townhouse in uh, Telluride. Or uh, the Smith Fork Ranch, which is a, a new ranch that's open in, in the uh, southwestern Colorado from the uh, leather goods brand Gurkha. They've got a new sort of ranch that only takes 28 guests a week. So talk about feeling nice. private well, yeah. and, and ensconced yeah. uh, during a season when you know there tend to be a lot of crowds. Uh, and then we also wanted to mention airstream to go which is this incredible company that rents out not just refitted airstream trailers that are you know 23 feet or 28 feet and the uh, vehicle to tow them with but they just set up your vacation and it just sounds to me like an incredible thing but Brad yeah, no, Aren't I. Are you this, going? Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm
0: going in August. I'm gonna be going. This is we're gonna. This is gonna be a multimedia extravaganza. At this point, um, it's sort of mushroomed, and we've been working with Airstream to go because they do provide this sort of full service. They work with a bunch of different organizations. They work with a bunch of different guides, and you go and you rent the trailer, and they give you the truck with it. They train you how to drive the truck. And well, so that's good. yeah, well, I mean, you know, there are many people who know how to drive big giant SUVs in the United States. I'm not one of them. <laughs> um, so, I'm this is actually the part of the trip I'm the most nervous about. We're going to go for the first 2 weeks of August, we're going to be doing, you know, a bunch of western parks. We're going to go to California. We're going to do uh, Yosemite and then we're going to get into Vegas and do sort of the whole loop there. And we're picking up these vans and they're going to teach us. They give you a security course, uh, or rather a safety course, sorry. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, the other thing that they've done is they set up your entire sort of vacation. They do the planning for you and they make the reservations for you. So they use this company called Off the Beaten Path who actually gets in and does the planning for them. So they'll work out like, okay, you need to get a pass for this kind of place. And they help you set that up. And then they will also connect you with individual purveyors of like, you know, a Jeep tour or a guided tour of the Grand Canyon or any of these other parks. And so it's kind of an amazing service and it takes the load off of you. Sure. And the other thing that they do that we reported on earlier this year is that, you know, by this time of the summer or of the year, I mean, we're not really in, I guess we're starting the summer right now, but you know, if you haven't sort of booked this stuff, you're in the national parks. You you're know, in trouble. You're yeah, in trouble. Right. Yeah. And, and, and going to a, a, someone like this, they've actually got connections that can get you a spot that you would never be able to get on your own.
1: So it's everything. It, you have the feeling of being on an independent road trip, like out of the movies. But in actuality, you've got somebody working behind the scenes to help make your vacation easy.
0: Yeah, that's what they're... Because that, that's that they're sounds very, pretty good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sounds yeah like that kind of sounds deal. like the
2: best of both worlds. Totally. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, no, that's exactly what they do. And they'll build... The other thing that they will do, it's completely customizable, right? Mm-hmm. Like, they will, they will work with you to build an itinerary that... Goes wherever you want to go. That's great. And then they're using, you know, it's not a centralized thing. It's completely federated. It's, it's just that they are in the business and they have all these connections everywhere, and so they're connecting you to mm-hmm. purveyors throughout all of the all of the different parks and all the different locations. I think I might try to do that.
2: Yeah, I'm 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 thinking the same.
0: Yeah, it's the kind of thing you want to jump on now mm-hmm. if you're going to do it. One of the places that you guys called out here Mm -hmm. is the California coast, close to my heart. Mm -hmm. Um, I lived out there for a bunch of years in San Francisco and used to go down there. Why did you feel like now is a good time
1: to head back to the central
0: California coast?
1: Well, there are some great things happening there, but uh, for a long time you sort of had a limited choice of where to stay. And, you know, we're always interested in what's new and what's up to date with hotels. And so when you see a number of hotels opening in a place like Carmel, it suddenly puts it kind of back on the radar. You know, it's always been there and it's always had a lot to offer in terms of natural beauty and just sort of tranquility, exactly what you're looking for in a summer vacation in terms of just chilling out. Uh, but now there's, you know, a little bit more option in terms of where to stay. And, That alone, I think, is a reason to return to a place that you know well or finally tick it off your list.
0: Yeah. There are a couple of new... What were the new places that are opening there? Um, A couple of new hotels to check out in Carmel,
1: right? Yeah. Hotel uh, Carmel and The Hideaway both are, are opening there. And I think they're bringing a little bit of a more sort of contemporary sensibility
0: for listeners who don't know, this is the part right in the in between San Francisco and, and the Southern California zones, and it's very rugged. It's very beautiful. Even the beaches in Carmel, you know, they're, they're, they're overgrown. Yes, there's sort of sandy beach, but it's kind of crescent-shaped, and it's small, and, and things are very kind of mountainy right into the sea. It's almost like an American version of the Italian coast, right? Mm-hmm. Like, where you where you get mm-hmm. this, this... It feels this, a little more
2: wild. It feels mm-hmm. more
0: wild. It's very interesting there. And Big Sur is not very far from there. And if you're a golfer the Pebble Beach golf course is mm-hmm. tons of golf spot. there There's a lot of golf and
1: the coast looks great on Instagram
2: is <laughs> <laughs> always a plus with <laughs> any vacation you choose Absolutely. very 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 <laughs> important it's important these days
0: so what yeah. were some of the the, the surprising uh, places that you guys found? I noticed that well, you had called out a couple yeah. of Yeah,
2: I mean, obviously, we've spoken about Europe and we've spoken about America, both of which are sort of expected to an extent uh, for your summer travels. But, you know, uh, one place we have, which I'm really excited about, is Oman, which is on the list. And, uh, you know, I, I'm really excited about calling out Oman because we've got two new Big resorts opening there this summer. Uh, and like Paul just mentioned, that's you know, reason enough to go to a new destination. But it's sort of that perfect antidote when you think of you know your travels to the Middle East, which might sort of be a Dubai experience or something that's you know this, these big sort of sensory overload cities. You know these resorts from Anantara, which are a great brand, have opened up in these remote stretches, these beautiful remote stretches of the uh, desert and the green valley in Oman, and it's just sort of offering travelers uh, kind of a new lens into the Middle East. So I think it'll be a, it's a kind great of like place the opposite of go. Dubai. Exactly. I mean, it's exactly the opposite of Dubai. Really, it is. And it's you know, it's it's a it's a chance to uh, really see the beautiful Middle Eastern landscape. And you know, Anantara is a very smart brand in how they partner with the destination. So they're going to be offering a lot of local experiences. I know that they're going to be offering tours to the local villages. They're going to be offering falconry. They're going to be offering a lot of ways in which the traveler and the guest can immerse themselves into the destination. So it's it'll be a great experience.
1: Yeah, and I think it's important for us too to remind people that you know you see a lot of terrible news every night about, you know, things that are going on in the Middle East, but that's not everywhere. And what is happening, you know, in Syria is atrocious and terrible. And yet, you know, travel can really open people's eyes to the sort of you know, dynamic in the Middle East, as well as the fact that it's a really varied place and there are a lot of destinations, um, you know, that aren't being affected by terrible violence. And so I think it's our job as a travel magazine as well to remind people, you know, there are places to go that are peaceful and beautiful and wonderful, um, not just around the world, but also in the Middle East. And so, you know, given an occasion of like these openings to remind people that that's going on uh, Mm -hmm. and that the opportunity is out there, you know, Oman is fantastic. I Mm -hmm. went a few years ago and just had an incredible time there, not just from the culture, but the landscape. is truly remarkable. Mm-hmm.
0: Great. Since we're on the kind of like off the beaten path uh, tip, yeah, like yeah. the far flung tip world, so well, if people are getting ambitious and yeah, they're really want yeah, I mean,
2: something. I, you know, I would be remiss if I didn't take this opportunity to mention, you know, travel to New Zealand, New Zealand? Uh. Uh, yeah, and everybody that I work Why with. Why is all, that, Erin? Well, <laughs> I had held a special place in my heart, but you know, uh, New Zealand is one of the great places to go and visit, it's also one of the hardest to get to purely because it really is the bottom of the earth, but you know, you've got three. Three great major airlines launching three new non-stops from major American cities uh, through the summer. Uh, they're going in from Houston, San Francisco, and more from Los Angeles. And, you know, I know I know you would say, well, why would I go to New Zealand when it's New Zealand's winter? But actually, you know, New Zealand's winter is, is, is a pretty nice time to visit, it's first like of all. It's like San Francisco's summer. It's, it's exactly. <laughs> and it's like being in Northern California, you know, catch it on the right day and you can be in a T-shirt. You know, everything is still fully functional. You can go to the beautiful wineries. You can go skiing. You can still have all the wonderful experiences that you could in the summer uh, just because the climate is that mild. And, uh, you know, this, this is a, a really nice time to go.
0: Is it true that you can ski in a t-shirt?
2: I have done it. So you have yes, done it, is. it. Really? Yes, I did. I did it on Mount Ruopehu. I mean, it was many years ago now, but it, you know, th- it's really not that cold. And mind you, I will add that at the moment, Mount Ruopehu is not recommended that you go to because of the volcanic activity. However, uh, the other the other mountains around the country but <laughs> are fine. I, w- I love <laughs> any
1: I love any country that <laughs> you're, you can't go you skiing because the volcano. The volcano is erupting. Is erupting that but, is truly you know, adventure. <laughs> <Yeah>, but if <laughs> it isn't,
2: you could you. Could could potentially be rocking that T-shirt, and you'd be fine. You might even get a bit of a sunburn.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, or a, or or some other kind of yeah.
1: skin. <laughs> well, I think it's really important that we put these sort of like far-flung destinations in there to remind people that you know it really is easy to travel these days you know yeah, especially absolutely. with a nonstop you know from Houston where a place where you used to have to go to the west coast first and then you had to get on another flight now you can go nonstop to Auckland and it's it's yeah. it's amazing what you can do on these sort of long haul flights right that the world is really open to you. And yes, the flight is long, but I always tell people, you know, it's not like you have to fly it. Right. You just have, to, <laughs> you just sit have there. to sit and watch some TV. Watch and TV. Have some meals. Have some, yeah, have some red wine. It's actually and quite,
2: and co- it's like being in your living room. Absolutely. For hours. You can
1: medicate. You can, you can <laughs> do whatever your <laughs>
0: whatever choice of medicine is. is. No, but, your but it's true. And in
2: fact, the long haul flights are often more comfortable than the, the shorter haul flights. And, you know, Paul's absolutely right. You know, you shouldn't be scared of going to a destination just because you think it's so far away. Frankly, the industry. Is set up to make sure there are new pieces of infrastructure to get you there easier. And this is just an example of that. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the Houston
0: flight is operated by Air New Zealand. I'm wondering it is, like it's is, is a great airline. Is the thinking there that they're trying to connect the East Coast? Yeah,
2: absolutely. I mean I think the thing, you know, it has been in the past we've always had to go out of the West Coast, either Los Angeles or San Francisco to access uh, New Zealand. And, you know, they're trying to tap into a greater market and yeah. make it and, and this is I'm sure this is their thinking. I can't say this for a fact, but they know that they need to make it more accessible. Yeah. So they're so they're going into these hubs like Houston which is a great hub um, to make it easier for people from the the Midwest or the East Coast to get there.
0: Yeah. Um, What about Nepal? You guys put Nepal on the list. What's going on there?
1: Yeah well we've been covering Nepal a lot. You know they had a series of really deadly earthquakes last Mm -hmm. year and so they were in the news for that but Rebuilding has been underway, and you know we've been talking to a lot of people in the tourism industry on the ground in Nepal, as well as some of our writers. You know, we had an article earlier this year from a great writer, Jen Murphy, who who did a, a trekking experience through Nepal and uh, filed a dispatch for us to sort of update you know, what's fixed, what's not fixed. Is it time to go back? Mm -hmm. Her verdict was, yeah, absolutely. It's time to go back. There's enough in place that it's, you know, safe and comfortable for travelers. And in fact, your tourism dollars can really help the country Mm -hmm. get back on its feet. Uh, And so we've been trying to sort of, you know, promote Nepal in in a sense that don't cross it off your list just because of some bad news that you saw last year. However, I think the the secondary reason that we wanted to put on the list for this summer and the reason we're saying, you know, you should get there right now is that again, a hotel opening, in this case a, a sort of high end lodge opening, has really put it on the map for us. And Aaron, you've really dug into this and I think I'm probably <laughs> gonna sneak out some weekend and go Stay yeah, at the I new would not taj. rule
2: it. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, this is, you know, the fr- it, it, it is a game changer when you have these sort of big name openings in places that didn't service that, that caliber of travel in the past. So this is a really exciting reason to go back to Nepal and to go on safari in Nepal. And it's 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 a beautiful property.
0: One of the other sort of call-outs that you guys had that is slightly exotic
1: was the Arctic. Northern sort of polar tourism is is really having a moment right now in terms of travel companies investing money and time and research into opening sort of trips to the polar regions and what we mean by that is sort of Greenland northern Canada the northwest passage and you know part of this is due to climate change you know it's newly accessible where there was ice there is now water mm. which means that you can cruise through and so crystal cruises is really leading the way with sending a high-end luxury cruise ship through the northwest passage and this is like a was it 28 days? Yeah, so it's, it's almost a, a month long journey uh, from the West coast of the United States all the way around Canada, past mm-hmm. Greenland and then ends in New York City. Uh, and that's really going to be, I think, a game changer for people's attention and the way that they think about, oh my God, it's summertime. It's not always icebergs and, and sort of this you know, wasteland that's inaccessible because of its sort of severe uh, climatological condition. People are going to start going to the north for, uh, you know, wildlife watching as well as just seeing this place that's constantly in the news. I think people want to lay eyes on what's going on.
2: Yeah, I think that's true. And I also think this is sort of a good moment to bring up the fact of, you know, eco minded tourism to that part of the world. You know, like Paul said, one of the reasons we can access it now is. Due to climate change. And, you know, they're taking the the people that operate the tourism in that part of the world are taking a lot of measures to make sure that we have minimal impact in what we do up there, too. And that's really important. And I think people are really interested in sort of understanding those efforts and, you know, seeing a part of the world that that is changing for various reasons is that
0: consciousness raising part of you know the the, the, the companies that are taking people there is that part of how they're approaching it
2: yeah for sure and I mean one example I can cite is you know Svalbard which is this great Norwegian archipelago which is in the Arctic Circle now they've recently changed all of their uh, cruising legislation to make sure that only you know Certain sized boats can get into certain areas, and that's to minimize the impact. I mean, it's to you know, tourism is a great thing, but they're making sure it has minimal impact on what is considered sort of a vulnerable area right now. But I think you know, a lot of travelers are very conscious of that and they want to be observant of that. So
1: it's going to be really interesting to watch you know that sort of industry develop as time goes on. You know, there are a lot of um, other publications that are taking a look at this too, you know, that what happens when if you're in a place where 500 people a year, were going mm. now 5,000, maybe mm-hmm. 50,000, you know, you look at Antarctica, sure. which gets now mm-hmm. 45,000 tourists a year.
2: And 50 years ago, it didn't have any and 50,
1: 50 so. years ago. You couldn't go there, you, couldn't go. you know? Yeah. And so it, There's it's the, Heis-
0: be- the, 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 the Heisenberg. No, what is the, the uncertainty principle, right? The Heisenberg's uncertainty principle.
1: Yeah. Well, I think we're, you change it by observing it, or yeah. do you change it by observing? Yeah, it? Yeah, we're gonna see, you know, how these small communities can adapt to the influx of tourists. What having a bunch of tourists go there, you know, wh- what impact does that have on the environment and on the people who live there year round? So it's definitely a story that I think we're gonna keep an eye on. Mm-hmm. But we wanted to include it in the package this summer just to acknowledge, hey, this is happening, and it's something you can do, and some place that you can go. I think it's so rare that there's yeah, a really a new place. Mm-hmm. Uh, but here's one right here.
0: It sort of makes it real for people. It gives people an opportunity to get out of the abstract and, yeah. and see that these places are real and this change is real.
1: Yeah. And I, I, I'm definitely a big believer that mm-hmm. once you go somewhere and see it with your own eyes, uh, you care about it so much more. I agree. And it's really, Completely. really important. For sure. Yeah. Um, you know, that's a great reason to travel in general. It's oh, awareness. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, Africa. Africa, I feel like we keep coming back to yes. Africa for so many reasons. Um, so many
2: reasons. Yeah.
0: What caught you guys' eye in Africa this year?
2: Well, you know, Africa is definitely emerging as a place that's no longer just a, a one-time destination. People are returning to Africa, and, you know, in so doing, they're looking for different experiences every time they get back there, which is a great thing. And, uh, you know, we have sort of mentioned this idea of, you know, a safari doesn't have to be a strictly Jeep affair anymore. Mm. You know, safaris are becoming a lot more dynamic. You can do walking safaris. You can be in a boat. And Botswana is one of those countries that's sort of leading the way in Southern Africa in terms of making a safari less of a one note, albeit a great note, but a one note affair where you can get out and really be a little bit more immersed in the environment and what you're observing.
1: And And, see different kinds of wildlife, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: And so
0: this is the Okavango, which is one of the sort of amazing wonders of the world. And is this a, I guess, what is the time of year to go? Like, what's the...
2: Well, usually actually summer is a pretty good time to go because it's after the floods. Uh So therefore you have a little bit more water in the watering holes, you get a little bit more, uh, the wildlife is a little bit more active, a little bit more on Display. Yeah, yeah, and that's what
0: you're looking for there. Mm-hmm. Where else? Um, you, you guys said to, to yeah. you sort of advised us there's, to explore a slice <laughs> of Africa that nobody else has. A, What's well, there's that? there's
2: one that you know is very high on my list, uh, which is Ethiopia. And Ethiopia is a really exciting destination to observe. I think you know it's it. Uh, even just sort of from a political standpoint, it's gone through a lot of changes in the past 10 years and it's really opening itself up culturally and to tourism and, you know, you're getting a lot of sort of luxury-level openings in Ethiopia, which is something they had lacked in the past. So it's attracting a whole new kind of caliber of people going there. You also have new direct flights from JFK into Addis Ababa, which is a huge uh, oh, yeah. game-changer in terms of getting people. This, yeah, yeah. It, goes, it all comes down to access a lot of the times. And, uh, yeah, I just think, you know, you, you have the culture. You also have the nature in the... Uh, the very the the Omo Valley and the Simeon Mountains, which are you know, it, it offers you a different type of safari. There's a different type of wildlife and a different type of landscape, and I. I you know, Ethiopia for me at least is definitely an exciting African nation to watch travel wise.
1: Yeah, it's definitely an effort that I think we're always trying to make that, you know, Africa is not a country. Sure. You know, Africa is this huge, diverse place. And you know, wherever you're going, there's going to be different landscape for sure. There's different animals, there's different cultures. Um, you know, we also had South Africa on our list, and I think, you know, it might surprise some people that, you know, when you hear South Africa, you think, oh, well, it must be a safari to see the big five, you know, this these these sort of mm-hmm. famous animals that they have there. No, we actually put it on the List because of a new uh, property that's open, sort of outside Cape Town, called Liu Estates, and this is a place with a fantastic spa. There's a vineyard right next door, and you just kick back, relax, unplug, and mm-hmm. kick it. You know, at the ends of the world, down, you know, outside Cape Town, and that's, I think, again, to your point, Aaron, of, of having multiple notes. You know, that's not something that I think a lot of travelers equate with South Africa, and yet that's where the sort of growth in tourism to Cape Town is. Is, is once you've seen the city. And once you've hiked up Table Mountain, you know, what else can I do there? Well, you head out to the Winelands and, and decompress for a little bit and, and come home completely refreshed from a beautiful week away. And it didn't absolutely. involve rattling your bones in a safari Jeep. No,
2: absolutely. Cape Town almost is, you know, Africa's equivalent to what San Francisco is. It's a great urban area, has great food, great landscape, but it's surrounded by these really accessible, you know, Winelands and, and, and various other places that you would want to go and travel to. and You, you can see, get
0: right. this really complete
1: vacation when you go
2: Absolutely. there. You can
0: see, and, and, and that, the city itself is an incredibly great place to go right sure. now, and then you get this amazing experience outside Yeah, and of it we,
1: well. I think we always go back to the infrastructure thing as well, you know, I mean those Ethiopian Airways, uh, Ethiopian Airlines flights, you know, those are on 787s, which is the Dreamliner, which we've mm-hmm. talked about on the podcast before, another you know, one of these new airplanes that makes long-haul flying actually bearable, mm-hmm. even in economy, and mm-hmm. so uh, you know, you look at the sort of access that they're adding South African Airways is upping their frequencies across the continent other airlines there are making it easier to get around and it's become a place that's not just you have to fly you know a very long way to go to one place it's now easy to combine and jump around and have a few different experiences while you're there and you can really do it all you know if you leave late on a friday night and mm-hmm. you're willing to get back late on a sunday <laughs> you can take 5 days off work and yeah. have an epic Southern Africa vacation that will just blow people away. And I think it's so important to remind people that it's not that far.
0: Yeah. Yeah. One place that is on almost everybody's radar these days and uh, much in the news is Cuba, which you guys um, put on the list. I feel like, just personally, I feel remiss in not having been there yet. So uh, yeah. uh, wow. naturally, I'm getting I'm getting <laughs> yeah. my game on, and we're, I'm planning a trip to, to Cuba. We've had many, many, many people from the office go to Cuba. We're going to put together a guide later this year. Um, then I'll wait to go until, I, to go. Go. <laughs> yeah. go until I can read but, that. But I <laughs> think, that like the sense, the sense is that this is very much a transitional moment, right? Like, and, and so why did you guys feel like, uh, d- d- where are you, where did you come down on the spectrum of, you know, when is the time to go? When does it become too much?
1: I think, I mean, I think the time to go is yesterday for sure. But, um, I think what we wanted to remind people is Yes, you can kind of do it yourself. You can Airbnb it. You can book your own plane ticket through a charter operator and you can you can figure it out. And if you have those thirty hours to spend digging through all that stuff, then be my guest. But for my money, uh, I would just rather pay somebody else to do that for me and go <laughs> on an organized trip through, you know, a Cuba specialist, like the folks that we have listed on our website. Um, you know, we're not, I think, there yet, where it's like, you know, hopping down to Cancun. And so our advice is, you know, definitely go, Mm -hmm. but you know, put your trip in the hands of somebody who's actually gonna like give you a meaningful experience. Because I think that's what we're really, you know, people's fascination is, yes, it's forbidden fruit, but they also want a really deep, meaningful cultural connection where things are explained and sort of contextualized. And that's not something that's easy to do by yourself.
0: It's all, the country's also at a transitional moment right now in terms of every piece of inter- infrastructure, right? The hotels, mm-hmm. the technology, the the internet, everything like that are very spotty, very difficult to negotiate. And then you do want, at least from everybody that I've talked to that's been there, that local connection is so invaluable. Mm-hmm. And this is true. This was true. This was something that the Cuban government has been doing for you know two and a half decades or, or five decades or whatever because Europeans have been going there. And it was the same kind of process that they would liaise with local people people who were sort of assigned by the government, but they really operated independently and they would do what a lot of these other folks are doing now, which is sort of connect you with the local experience and guide you through it. And it feels invaluable still in a place like that. Absolutely. Last thing maybe that kind of surprised me, unless you guys want to sort of take it somewhere else, is
1: Indianapolis. Yeah, that, that's all, that's What's pause. up with Indianapolis? <laughs> I'm
2: going to have to say.
1: Well, all right, you guys laugh, but no. I think that everybody wants to go somewhere that's easy to get. This is sort of the opposite of Cuba, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. Indianapolis yeah. Is, yeah. is the opposite of Cuba. It's the first time that's ever been said uh, in the history of ever. Uh, no, but I think people, people want to have an easy... You know, weekend escape, and I, I've been banging the drum for Indianapolis for forever uh, because it's super convenient. Okay, they have one of the best airports in the country, according to our own readers' choice survey here at the magazine. Our own readers are telling us this airport is amazing. They've got nonstop flights from everywhere. It's easy to get there. They've got a bike sharing program, so you don't have to rent a car. And they have phenomenal food. I mean, we're hearing a lot about. The food scene there. Yeah, you it's, called it out as it, a food city. The, yeah, the,
0: the most underrated food yeah. city in Rest, the U.S.
1: Restaurants like Marrow, Milk Tooth. They've got great third wave coffee, and all of this stuff is like super concentrated as well. So you know you can really do sort of a restaurant crawl, a bar crawl, and everything is super accessible. And I think it's just one of those places that you can go in a really quick trip, spend a a weekend, not even a long weekend, just a weekend, and get a totally interesting take on a new place. And it's one of those sort of second cities that I don't think gets enough love. And I just want to go there. Myself, <laughs> so there you have it, and so that sometimes that's how you get things in the magazine. You just
2: personal passion. Of yeah, there, right? you, you want it bad enough
1: for so long that eventually that you event- get to squeeze it into your package. <laughs> but you no, know, I mean I joke, but it's I do think there's a real moment happening there. Yeah, for and sure. When you talk to people from Indianapolis, they themselves are super proud of what's going on in their city, and they want to, you know, sort of welcome people to say like. Your outmoded, you know, perception of what Indiana and Indianapolis is all about um, is is maybe you know sort of a little bit out of date, and so they are really excited to show off all the new things that they have, while at the same time, yeah, I mean, if you want to go for the Indy 500, I bet that's probably a pretty good party. Yeah, (laughs) I would
0: imagine. And I do think for foodies in particular, you know, finding that next place where the the creativity really is, where new things are being done, is always something that you're looking
2: for. Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah,
0: I mean,
1: I don't think that New York is a particularly creative city in terms of the restaurant scene, and so I'm always hoping to go somewhere where, you know, the rent is cheaper and the chefs are a little more... You know, daring because they don't have that sort of burden of, oh my gosh, how am I going to afford to do this creative thing that may not take off? And you go to a place, you know, whether it's Indianapolis, uh, you know, Pittsburgh is like this, Milwaukee is like this, Portland, Maine. Uh, Portland, Maine mm-hmm. is like this, where you know, it's not that the standards are lower; it's just that the sort of barrier to entry is lower, and so you see so much more creativity and, and mm-hmm. dynamism in the in the food scene. And if you're going for a food trip. Um, It just seems like the place to go is that second-tier city level.
2: Yeah, and I think people always like to be pleasantly surprised by what a food city is supposed to be. I mean, everybody knows, you know, you don't need to tell people to go to Paris or to New York or to Tokyo or to London. But I think people always... uh, they like to know that there are these places that are accessible that are also in their backyard that are, you know, doing really great creative things with food. So it's nice to have these Indianapolises and these Pittsburgh's, as possible. Oh, said. I
0: think we could do a podcast on these alone. Sure. I think there's so many cities in the United States right now where people oh, yeah. would be shocked. Like you, you, you could go to Portland, Maine, which mm-hmm. is a tiny, tiny, tiny city. Sure. I mean, I grew up there, but it's like <laughs> <laughs> you could— <laughs>
2: No, but, but you could literally. Like, but they know what they're doing; and they oh, do it well. You could yeah. spend
0: a week there and still not hit all the places that you really need to hit, and that's sure. that's amazing in a, sure. in, in a city that size to have that much creativity. And it's you know, I think we should do a podcast on all these all these places. <laughs> no, I do because <laughs> yeah. it's it, it, stay, you know, yeah. yeah, stay tuned. Yeah, tune in next week. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Perhaps not next week. I do believe we have a schedule we have to adhere to. Okay, so that will do it. Um, uh, any last words, you guys? Get out there, get your summer on.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It doesn't really matter where you go as long as you're going somewhere.
2: Yeah, exactly. Just make sure you have a summer vacation planned. And even if you're, you know, staying stateside or you're doing something a little bit more ambitious off the coast, uh, have fun with it and just get something in the books. Yeah. And don't,
1: don't be one year. of those people. Don't be one of those people that uh, in October don't is don't trying let to September use up come. your trying to use up the last year vacation. <laughs> (laughs) Days. Burn them now. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. This time, this year, get out there. Okay. Don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, to subscribe to the podcast. We are on iTunes and we are on SoundCloud. You can also visit us um, and please do at cntraveler.com. We are at Conde Nast Traveler on Facebook and YouTube. Uh, We are at CN Traveler on Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat. Aaron and Paul, thank you so much for coming and uh, giving everybody in science on the world. Um, <laughs> and uh, why don't we why don't we tell people where they can reach you individually if they would like to?
1: I'm on Twitter at p underscore brady.
2: I am on Twitter at Aaron Florio CNT and on Instagram at Aaron underscore Florio.
1: And I'm at Bradrick,
0: and we really do love the feedback. We've had people engage with us on Twitter recently, giving us feedback on the the podcast, and we would love to hear from you. So please do tweet at us. Thanks and have a great weekend. Happy Memorial Day and happy summer, everyone.